This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. Welcome to Dear Hank and John, or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Although in this case, it's a very special episode, and there's only one brother. That's right. It's a one-man band spectacular. The rarest and also lowest quality variety of Dear Hank and John episode. We're trying things a little differently today. I'm going to, insofar as possible, do this live. It is the end of 2022. It is a time for experimentation and rebirth and growth. And also, my brother is unavailable because he is the busiest person I have ever known. Uh, I don't know how he does it all. And then some weeks, he doesn't. He isn't able to do it all. And and in those weeks, I'm like, well, at least he's human. So we're going to... Try our best to get through this together. I do have some questions identified that you have sent me at hankandjohn at gmail.com, which I very much appreciate. Also, lots of you have sent me emails that aren't questions, which have also been lovely. We're going to begin today with a question about Hank, my brother. Uh, Since he's not here, I feel like there's never been a better time to discuss him. This question comes from Angela, who writes, Dear John and Hank, Last night, I dreamt that during his college days, Hank programmed a desktop app of a stick figure named Little Stimulus, or Lil Stim for short. Lil Stim is a pretty good rap name. Slightly off topic, but I feel like like Lil Stim wouldn't be in my like top 10 YouTube music listens, but might be in my top 30. 
Anyway, Lil Stim was a program where uh, this little stick figure would mosh to any music being played on your computer. Unfortunately, Hank could no longer remember the code of the file, and the original hard copy was being held hostage by your uncle. John eventually got the disc back. Thank you, Angela, for making me the hero of your dream and also discovered that your uncle had been woefully underpaying you all these years for Will Stim, presumably. Now, this is a great question, Angela, particularly because it contains no question marks. My friend Amy Cross Rosenthal used to say that uh, nothing was more boring than other people's dreams, and that's really true except when other people's dreams are about you. And then suddenly you perk up and you're like, oh, what now? Hmm, that sounds like a really interesting metaphor. I wonder what that could be about. It's probably about how great I am and how I'm always saving the day for Hank coming through at the last second with the disc that contains the hit web application Will Stim. And so thank you, Angela, for that really interesting dream. I have to say, if that dream was about someone other than me, I think I would still like it. But like, of course, I think I would. By the way, if you hear an extremely loud clunking that appears to be coming from above, I want you to know that it it is an extremely loud clunking coming from above. I recorded my basement and my son broke his foot. And so he has a cast. And he's always been a bit of a heavy stepper, but with this cast, you may, you may hear it. So the main thing that I thought about with regards to your dream is two things. That's an example of not needing to edit every time you make a mistake. The main thing is two things, Angela. The first main thing is that this is all so in character, right? Like Hank making a program called Will Stim in college is very in character. That program becoming unexpectedly and inexplicably popular is very in character. And then like it's somehow making a bunch of money, even though Hank doesn't care that much about money is very in character. Also, I think it's very in character that I came and saved the day at the end. But the second thing it makes me think is which uncle, which uncle, Angela, which uncle was woefully underpaying us all these years. There's two main candidates. First, we have my Uncle Bill. Oh, God, I love my uncle. I love all of my uncles, for the record. And then we have my Uncle Mike. They're both great, wonderful fathers and husbands and grandfathers. They're both talented business people, so there's no reason why they couldn't, for instance, uh, you know, take a little stim and turn it into a bunch of money somehow. But... The more I thought about it, the more I thought it's not a biological uncle, is it? It's like an uncle figure who we call uncle, like good old Uncle Joe, always looking out for us in the business realm where we don't really, you know, have a lot of talent or uh, particular aptitude. Thank God for good old Uncle Joe. And so it's a metaphorical uncle, isn't it, Angela? And then I was like, who's the metaphorical uncle who's been underpaying us all these years? And Angela, I don't know who it is. I think you might have to have another dream. I think you might need to be in an inception situation where you have a second dream report back to us on who... Oh, Hank says, I would love to record if you still can. Amazing. What Guys, it's going from a one-man band episode to a two-person band episode. All right. 
Uh, incredible Hello news, everybody. <laughs> no, I'm already anchored. We're already in. It's already started. I know. I, know. I don't know how else to do this, John. Well, yeah, Hank, is, Hank is here. He sent me an unexpected text message saying, I'd like to record the podcast with you now. And I was like, but... <laughs> But your your team informed me that you John, wouldn't be available for a podcast. I, I you know, do you want to know something that's kind of kind of gross? Yeah, I wasn't recording the podcast, and I was like, I'd really like to talk to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, you weren't actually thinking I'd like to record the podcast. You were thinking like, how can I talk to John about some stuff that's important to me? And then you were like, oh God, are we supposed to record the no, podcast right no, now? No, I was, well, one of the things, I don't know what you've been up to, but like, yeah. there's a year coming. There's a there's like a, a world um, changing. There's a lot, yeah. there's, I don't know if this, maybe it has always and will always feel like this. It just feels like yeah. there's a lot that's changing and a lot that's hard. And, um, uh-huh. and I did, and I was thinking about how I'd like to talk about it with you and, uh, great. And also answer questions from our listeners if you're doing that, but yeah, we are doing that. Okay. So real quick, Hank, I just need to bring you up to date on how things have been going so far. Okay. I'm actually recording a live show while I'm recording the you podcast. You don't record you? live shows. Are you actually live? Okay. I'm streaming a live show while I'm recording the podcast with you. I don't understand how this stuff works. But they're all really mad that they can't hear you. Yeah. But the reason they can't hear you is because this is a one-man band episode of Dear Hank and John where a second member of the band unexpectedly (laughs) entered halfway through. Um, That's my like. I play. It's like I'm Huey Lewis, and I think I'm playing a solo acoustic show, mm. you know, hearkening back to the old days when it was just me and a guitar. And then the drummer then just the, shows up and is like, Exactly. Who should come but the news? Yeah. But suddenly it's Huey Lewis and the news. The news is here. Uh, the whole band is back together. Oh, man. So Let's this is really the news, thrilling though, for me. Like if we're going to make the metaphor into a real thing, yeah. I'd rather avoid it. Huey Lewis in the news? No, I just want to, I don't want to do anything that's in the news right now. Oh, you just don't want to discuss the news. I feel like the news has been really good lately. Argentina won the World Cup. If there's other Man, news, I'm literally unaware of I it. I gotta tell you, that was nuts. I, you know, I think it's great that so many people really enjoyed the World Cup final. I don't know it if was I would a great say game. that I enjoyed it, uh, but it, it was, was very stressful. It was a, it was it an was experience. In, it was amazing. It was an experience. And and there is something magical about the fact that, you know, in the neighborhood of one third of all humans were watching the same thing at the same time, yeah, participating in the emotions. I feel yeah, I feel participating like in the it's the greatest shared emotional experience among humans, oof. the World Cup. You know, and what it was I very really, intense. Can I tell you something I really appreciated about the World Cup? Yes. Is when the announcers were like, yes, that was the correct decisions by the officials, because I had was no nice. idea. I was like, that, that was I nice. don't know that. I don't like, was that right? But they all yeah. seemed to think it was, they were, I, I've appreciated that, that effect because that matter, like those things mattered a lot. Turns out yep, the decisions indeed. made by the well, officials. I would just like to say for the record that if you enjoyed the world cup final, wait until you find out about fourth tier English <laughs> football. If you thought, <laughs> if you thought Morocco's upset was headline news. Yeah. Wait until you find out about AFC Wimbledon taking on Charlton Athletic. Okay. <laughs> uh, the World Cup was great, but you know what 
result you never saw once in the entire World Cup, 64 games, and you did not see this result once? Match abandoned due to frozen pitch, which is what <laughs> happened to AF- AFC Wimbledon this week. Not a single match uh. in the entire World Cup was abandoned because of frozen pitch. And we've had it happen 40 or 50 times just in the last week in English football. What's the, uh, so, what's the concern with a frozen pitch? Is it that you don't want to like hit it? It's like playing on concrete. I've never, I've never totally understood why frozen pitch and waterlogged pitch mm. are the two kind of, I would say, like leading protagonists. They're sort of the Mbappe and Messi <laughs> of fourth tier English football. And I've never quite understood why they're given such centrality. It's a team game, you know, like a lot of a lot of things matter. But oh, frozen God. pitch gets a gets a lot of frozen. It's just a big deal. I, the energy is so much different now that you're here. I bet. Um, oh. I've done I've done one one man band uh, podcasts as well, and it's it's interesting. It's a it's a different dynamic. It's kind of hard it's to beautiful. be that person. I don't know. It's beautiful I, to have you with what, me. Can you tell I, me what the emotion I experienced during the World Cup was? I mean, here's the thing, Hank. That's the emotion I feel every Saturday. So you're starting to glimpse. Hank is on a journey of meaning. <laughs> and part of his journey of meaning is that he's starting to glimpse that football contains all of the human emotions and all of the human experiences. It was, <laughs> and that it, it rewards your attention. Unlike so many other things, it rewards your attention in exact, what is it called? Correlation? Yeah. Like to to the the size of your feelings is is exactly correlated to the size of your attention and investment. It was, it's you know like the first That's time what I love. the first time you like drink uh, like a bunch of cold water on an empty stomach in your life. You're mm, like my stomach mm. can feel cold. That's what yeah. watching that game felt like. It was like I have experienced mm. a nuisance. I'm 42 years old, and for the fr- yeah. like it's been a while since I had a new feeling. This one's new. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I love it. Hey, I don't know I'll that I liked I- it though. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you an iFollow membership, and um, and then you can have it every Saturday while you watch <laughs> AFC Wimbledon. I I forced Oof. my kids to watch the penalty shootout, and at one point oh I God. said, I said this is unbearable, and Henry said, "That's how I feel all the time watching soccer." <laughs> All right. Hank, we got to get to some questions from our listeners, okay? Because there is one question. There are two, there's really only two questions I want to answer in this episode. Mm-hmm. But one of them is maybe, I don't want to overhype it, the greatest question I've ever come across in the history of Dear Hank and John. Okay. And you missed a whole conversation about Will Stim. But this <laughs> I saw that question, question. <laughs> this question from Grace is unbelievable. Okay. Dear John and Hank, I really like country music, but there's this one song that's been haunting my dreams. It's called Five Foot Nine. Now, I have also heard this song. It's a hit. It's on radio. And it has, I agree with Grace, it has the weirdest chorus that has never been addressed so far as I know. Uh Um, This is a country song. I don't know how familiar you are with like contemporary country music, Hank, but like a lot of contemporary country music sort of grounds itself in vivid images that are slightly like seen through a like a rose tinted filter of nostalgia, you know, like 
finding ways to take rural life and make it at once like hyper specific mm-hmm. and universal. Yeah. Like the best swing is a tire swing is a kind of, gotcha. you know, or yeah. like the best car is a pickup truck uh-huh. and the best kind of road is a dirt road yeah. and so on. Uh-huh. Okay. So there's this one song that's been haunting my dreams. It's called Five Foot Nine. And I think the chorus goes, God made five foot nine brown eyes in a sundress. Now, there seem to be some people who think that the chorus is God made five foot nine brown eyes and a sundress. But I actually, I have listened to the song several times since reading this question. (laughs) And I think that you can certainly make a case for five foot nine Mm. brown eyes in a sundress. Uh But either way, there's actually the same problem. (laughs) Grace says, I can't get this terrifying image out of my head. My question is, if five foot nine brown eyes were to wear a sundress, how would that sundress stay up? Eyes are round. So could straps hold it? Would it need some kind of anti-slip material used for strapless dresses? You guys answered the question about a person made of lemon so well that I thought you could surely handle this one. (laughs) Bonus if a listener can draw this monstrosity. I'm all about that. Grace, no treble. <laughs> nice. It's a great name specific sign. So of course I keep I keep having to turn myself down because being in your company is making me so, so excited yeah, so compared to the experience I thought I was gonna have. So I apologize to Tuna and everyone listening if my levels keep changing a little bit, but I'm trying not to bottom out. Um I, of course, uh, went to the website Genius.com, which is where you learn about the interpretation of lyrics. Uh, okay. But there is no information. The only information I've learned no. is that this man's uh, wife is, in fact, five foot ten. But he didn't oh. he didn't realize that when he wrote the song. Wow. And then he had to, and it was too late to correct it. His, wow. So he played the song for his wife for the first time. And she like, listened to it, about? and then at the end of it, she he was like, well, "What do you think?" And she was like, oh, "I mean, I thought it was all right. Uh, how could I mean? Forget about how tall I am. I would be like, I, I don't want to be overly critical. And I and I know that you're like in your creative mode, and that you're very vulnerable in that time and everything. But <laughs> how can an eyeball be five foot nine inches tall? <laughs> and then this is like the more second... to the point. Okay, more to the point. How could this five foot nine inch eyeball wear a sundress because almost by definition wouldn't that sundress cover up the seeing part of the eye and kind of the one thing that the five foot nine inch eyeball could be good at is taken yeah. away from it well john you have so so two things first this is not this is not the first time i maybe this month that we have talked about giant eyeballs because you talked about that poem that you that you like oh, yeah. just like a like you visualize it as an eyeball rolling around the forest collecting dirt and <laughs> just so bark d- on it. I've learned a lot more about the transparent eyeball since last we spoke. Okay. <laughs> but you also need to remember that it's five foot nine brown eyes in a sundress. Yeah. So it's I don't know oh. if there's two of them in there. They're stacked on top of each other. They They have to be, right? Mm, How else are they going to be five feet, nine inches tall, Hank? Be reasonable. Well, the problem is that they're balls, so they are spherical. And so if they're five feet, nine uh, high, and there's two of them. Yeah, they're they're five feet, nine wide. Well, no, they're 10 foot, 18 wide. Oh, you're imagining that they're. Two, Two eyeballs. You're imagining that they're right next to each other. Yeah. Well, that's how eyes are. Well, 
first off, <laughs> eyes aren't five feet, nine inches tall in a sundress, at least not any eyes I've ever seen. But I was imagining that they're stacked on top of yeah, each other like, I guess I could see like that. two like two kids in a trench coat acting like an adult. <laughs> No one takes us seriously if we're just walking around like ourselves. Just, normally, yeah. you know, when we're yeah. when we're like two two and a half feet ish exactly. tall. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If they're just if they're just a two and a half foot tall eyeball walking around next to another two and a half foot tall eyeball, I don't I, seeing that in the sundress is is very disorienting. But if you see a five foot nine inch tall two eyeball situation in a sundress, you're like, I, you know, like one of the one of the eyeballs I don't even see. It's That's under right. the sundress. It's got a very narrow waist. Uh, where yeah. they come together. <laughs> Actually, it's very close to the platonic ideal. <laughs> Of Real hourglass the, shape there, literally. Yeah, where it's just like <laughs> the rare, the rare hourglass body that is actually hourglass shaped. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. Does the bottom one roll like BB-8, and the top they, one stays stable? <laughs> right. Do they have feet? This is a big. This was a big question about Emerson's transparent eyeball, actually, which was this idea that the philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson, philosopher slash writer Ralph Waldo Emerson had uh, in his essay, Nature, where he he talks about w- walking through the forest and just wanting to be an, an eyeball. Can I read the, you the relevant part, Hank? Because I think it does okay. impact our discussion of this popular song. I, we return to reason and faith. There I feel that nothing can befall me, no disgrace, no calamity, leaving me my eyes, which which nature cannot repair, standing on the bare ground, my head bathed by the blithe air and uplifted into infinite spaces. Jesus Christ, Ralph Waldo Emerson loved yeah, an adjective. That's a, that's a bit much, but okay. My head bathed by the blithe air, all mean egotism vanishes. I become a transparent eyeball. I am nothing. I see all. The currents of the universal being circulate through me. I am part or particle of God. And so the idea is that like instead of reflecting back meaning that you just soak it in that you know instead of um mm-hmm. not ha- you know just yeah. take in nature rather than trying to reflect it or make meaning of it yeah. or whatever. I I, I and, actually I like the transparent eyeball part, but you can't just use the word blithe. Oh, I completely agree with you. Nor can you describe egotism as mean. You should just say egotism, right? We know what you mean. And then there's the fact that when I thought this it has was been average. drawn. I thought he meant like the mean, like the average. Oh, uh, I don't think so. But again, Who knows? why did he introduce that ambiguity yeah. needlessly? Yeah. We're not here to criticize Ralph Waldo Emerson's prose, yeah, which is frankly better than either of ours. <laughs> We're here to talk about the fact that the most famous image of this, and I need you to Google it, Hank. I need uh-huh. you to Google transparent eyeball, was made by uh, Christopher Pierce Cranch in the 1830s. And it pictures oh. an eyeball atop a very long <laughs> set of legs. And the eyeball is like wearing a, a straw hat of some kind. Yeah, and, and, and also the legs. Yeah, the legs are where it's a coat with tails. So like this is a dressed up transparent eyeball walking uh-huh. through the wilderness in what amounts to a tuxedo. This is but not, it doesn't have by the head. way, anatomically correct. Like I don't like if that's the optic nerve that it's walking on, if its legs have turned into the optic nerve, it's coming out the wrong part of the eyeball. Well, first off, I don't think that that's the concept. 
the point is, we do have an image, thanks to Christopher Pierce Cranch, of um, five foot nine brown eyeballs in a, in a coat. Oh, I see. Which I we think, got to it. Right. I think that we're on the path looking at this image oh, together. So maybe to what, maybe it's two eyes. Yeah. That are just bit like there's no head, but there is kind of. Uh, I, so so there is a real legitimate biological question about where the eye ends. You can make the case okay. that the eye is, in fact, just part of the brain. So, like, that, you know, it's yeah. very closely connected. The optic nerve does, you know, like there's processing that goes on before and after it. And so it's, you know, where where you draw the line for, for the brain. So you can kind of maybe make the case that, like, you can lump in some nervous tissue with the eye, in which sure. case – you have two eyes with two mm-hmm. stalks coming down and maybe yep. they like braid yep. together a little bit before branching out again. And then that's like, that's a, that you could have legs. You could have like yeah. a whole body. Maybe you don't have legs, but maybe you just have sort of a pogo stick that is your optic nerve well, two, and, two and related materials. There's two right, eyes. But they kind of so, intertwine, they kind of intertwine. But then at the end they can break apart. So you can have legs. I don't see why not. But well, but why do you need legs? I wanna, why can't you just I be like this image that you've showed me? I want it to be walking okay. around. And- All right, but I'm just going to tell you that if we have two legs mm-hmm. and a five foot nine eyeball, mm-hmm. we are a pair of eyeballs. Actually, I worry that we are journeying away from Emerson toward Mike Wazowski. <laughs> And that's a concern to me. Uh, well, that's what I think. Because I don't think I, this country song is about Mike Wazowski, except with brown eyes. I think that the author of this poem that is this country music song wants us to to picture something that is in vaguely the form of a woman, but is made out of eyeballs. And so I think it has to be a little bit like not Mike Wazowski shaped. I think it has to be more like the image you've shown me here, where there's like legs and, a, and it, but it's wearing a sundress. And, but then, okay. then there's no face, no head, just eyeballs. Right, right. Okay, all right. I think I think we're there. I think we've settled on a description. But unfortunately, there is another critical level to this lyric. Oh, no. Which is not that Emerson or Hank or John or this country musician made five foot nine brown eyes in a sundress, but that God did. This is a theological statement that God Oh, I, fr- I didn't notice that part of the- Course. Five foot nine brown eyes in a sundress. God and makes. that for me is the is the biggest surprise. Because well, well, I just I feel like I've been around for a while. I'm 45 years old. And I'll tell you one thing that I've never seen on God's green earth. Uh-huh. Five foot nine brown eyes, brown eyes in a sundress. God, it really does make it sound like the eyes themselves are five foot nine, and that including the optic nerve is is a stretch, but Look, I don't know how this man We'd have to consult with him to yeah. understand the full authorial intent. But as you know, Hank, I believe that books and art and country songs all belong to their readers or listeners. And so the, the, the meaning right. is there for us That's to make. Right. So, but like, I mean, who else made it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really that good point. That doesn't really if, surprise me. If, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, and then he had, it, at the end of the chorus, he says, "God makes the good stuff." So he God he makes is, the good stuff, which like, which is maybe the part I have the most trouble with. Um, that that is that's a weird way <laughs> to settle the problem of evil in the world, but I kind of like it. It's very simple and straightforward. Right? It's like, oh no, God just makes the good stuff. Well, like, but it five does foot nine inch tall. Yeah, it, brown eyes and a sun. It retroactively applies to the eyes, which that's not my yeah. first sense, and I don't want to judge. 
Right, but right. I, but it's different if enough I saw... that I think I would be worried about its good or evilness. <laughs> if I saw two three foot tall brown eyes in a trench coat <laughs> in a sundress, uh-huh. I'm not sure I would. My first reaction would be, "Now that's the good stuff." <laughs> But, but but we've been told. We know that it is. <laughs> oh, you mean God does make the good stuff. That's the good stuff right there. You're welcome. You're welcome, God says. All this trial and travail, but you know, I did give you oh five man, foot nine John, you know inch brown eyes in a sundress. You know what I'd like to do? And I don't yeah. know if I'm going to be able to pull this off. Okay. Because I got a lot to do before the the Christmas break, which we're recording before that. Um, I'd like to record a version of this song having never heard it. <laughs> That's a great idea. Um, Can you just? I mean, is it crazy to try just try to do it now? Just work, just workshop it with me. Uh, well, I don't know what the rhyme scheme is yet. I have not looked at it at all. Jack makes okay. good whiskey. Yeah, red yeah. dirt makes Jack makes good whiskey. Good riding roads. Yep. Country yep. makes good music. For kicking up dust in the taillight glow. Okay, I'm getting the, the yeah. flow here. Dry wood yeah. makes good fires. Good years makes good swings. Oh, nice. Because yeah, he has tires. Clever. You, I thought it was going to be tires. It's clever. See, uh, there's a there's an inversion of expectation. And that's there. all good. And that's all good. But for me, God yeah. makes five foot nine brown eyes in a sundress. Loves that's Tim good. McGraw I, in a small town accent. Ain't yes. no way that me and this truck made her fall in love. Jack mm. makes good whiskey, but God makes yep. the good stuff. Whoa, oh, 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 God whoa, makes whoa, the whoa, good whoa, stuff. Whoa, 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 Before you go on, Hank, can I just point out a couple things about the lyrics of this song that I find completely fascinating? Mm-hmm. First, the lyrics talk about loving Tim McGraw and a small town accent. And that used to be called a Southern accent. But now I, I think country music is trying to be inclusive of people who live north of the Mason-Dixon sure. line, yeah. but oh, still. Yeah. Well, we love it out and, here in Montana. Right. And so do we in Indiana, rural Indiana, country music's blasting everywhere. And so that's an interesting shift, right? Away from a sort of a regionalism. Yeah toward identifying based on your proximity to an urban center. Yes, correct. That's an interesting cultural shift. And then the other thing I want to call attention to, Hank, uh-huh. is that uh, this is a pretty short song. And yet there's two different kinds of road surfaces in this song. <laughs> I mean, there's a, We've got, there's a lot. You can learn a lot from a, there's a lot of different kinds of road surfaces, John. It's a big part of life. We've got like I feel like if you if you gave this song to Chat GPT, Chat GPT would be like interesting. I've just learned something new about humans. They're they're very intrigued by their road surfaces. There are three uh, things got, that people care about: large eyes, <laughs> road surfaces, and pickup trucks. And, well, I don't know. The, the, the God. I think ones. the third thing might be God. <laughs> Which, I love the idea. I love the idea that, okay, okay, new, all right, new concept. Uh-huh. Five foot nine is the only thing that travels from Earth to an alien civilization. They're going to be so confident. They're going to like come visit Earth and they're going to be like, well, that's a surprise. And we'll be like, what? And they'll be like, well, first off, that you have bodies. So we were pretty sure that you were all five feet, nine inches tall. And just eyeballs. 
and just eyeballs in, in sundresses. So this is this what's is all, magnificent. What's the, other, what's the other road surface? I can't find it. Red dirt makes for good riding roads. That's red dirt roads. And then later in the song, mm-hmm. when I pull up in the gravel drive, the way she dances with the raindrops, like she's the reason why they fall from the sky. And oh, I thank him nice. every time I close my eyes. That's Emerson. No. Um, first <laughs> off, Emerson Emerson can't close his eye, Hank. He's a transparent eyeball. There's no blinking. There's no blinking allowed. The thing about the drawing of the eyeball in the suit coat is that the eyeball is supposed to be invisible. It's a transparent eyeball. <laughs> I think that this man, whose name is Tyler Hubbard, was imagining yep. an invisible set of five foot nine eyeballs. Oh. They're transparent. You can't see them. Oh. It's just a sundress that moves around. Is like a ghost sundress. Yeah. That's, that's, I think we got there. And I think we got there. Tyler Hubbard was taking Emerson's transparent eye deep into his heart. Yeah. And what came out was Emerson's transparent eye wearing a sundress, but the eye is transparent. But there are two, and there are two of them, and one, the bottom one rolls around like BB 8, but you can't see it. Done. Okay. Thanks for potting with me. It's been a pleasure. John, this podcast was brought to you by uh, the the line, Jack makes good whiskey, but God loves the good stuff. It's one of the lines of the song. Today's podcast, of course, was also brought to you by Goodyear's Make Good Swings, mm. an unexpected uh, anti-rhyme. And this podcast is also brought to you by the way she dances with the raindrops, like she's the reason why they fall from the sky. Actually, I think that's quite nice. Yeah, it's not bad. And of course, today's podcast is brought to you by Five Foot Nine Brown Eyes in a Sundress. Five Foot Nine Brown Eyes in a Sundress. Transparent, so it's not weird. <laughs> it's just a ghost. It's just a ghost. It's really, it's just a mobile sundress as far as you can see. So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. And the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash DearHank. Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. 
And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius, because there will be a world without us. So I'm so glad I showed up today, John, so that I could provide this level of insight into our future as we head into 2023 in collaboration with both time and space and our own bodies. I really love your new emphasis on collaborating with time and space and your body. I do. This is how I feel. I think it's beautiful. I'm trying, that's trying, I'm trying to imagine it, even as I lie on the floor of my bathroom with food poisoning. <laughs> So, Hank, that's your big goal for 2023. And I talked jokingly in the last episode about my big goals for 2023, but I do have some some serious goals as well. Okay. Um, I would like to get off of the parts of the social internet that are really, really bad for me. And I know they're bad for me. And I think they're also probably bad for the social order, but that's irrelevant because they're bad for me. Yeah. But I can't stop using them. I would like to stop using the things that are clearly making my life worse. That's one. Mm -hmm. I, I can would I do like one? to write. Yeah, 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 you do. You do. You go. Okay. Um. Well, I don't know. Maybe I, I thought I had one, but I guess I don't. Oh, you were so confident. <laughs> the other thing I really want to do in 2023 is go to Sierra Leone. I really want to yeah. see the progress that's happened over the last three and a half years since we've been working with partners in health to radically reduce maternal mortality in Sierra Leone. I'm really excited to see the changes that are happening there. So hopefully I'll get to go this year. That's so exciting. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, I've still never gotten to go. Well, we'd love to have you. Yes, I'm sure. I, ho I hope that you get to show lots of important people around. I want to know do you have any feeling of confidence uh, of of a thing about the next year that you think might happen that people would be surprised by? Like a prediction? Yeah. You want my you want my unexpected hot take prediction for 2023? Sure. This is this is piping hot. Okay. I think at the end of 2023 Elon Musk will be the CEO of Twitter. Wow. That's really, that's an interesting one. So like uh, he will be un-CEO, but then he will re-CEO? I don't even know if he's going to un-CEO, but I think that he will be the CEO of a much diminished Twitter. Like like MySpace Tom overseeing his empire of empty accounts. I think that <laughs> he will be the CEO of Twitter. I know MySpace Tom sold MySpace. <laughs> and is now just living the yeah. dream. But yeah. I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to make a point here, people. That's what I think. That I I was just trying to think of what would be the spiciest take I could right. have. And you want to have this very yeah. spicy. You want to take a risky one that's going to look really amazing if you get it right. Yeah, and then if I get it wrong, it'll just be like whatever. No, that, but I love taking a. One. 
I love taking a risk with my takes. Okay, what's yours? I think we're going to be on Mars, but no. (laughs) 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 We got it. We're going to get there. Um, It... So I think it makes sense that our uh, our thoughts on this are going to be based in the parts of the world that we spend so much time and and that are sort of our homes in a weird way, which is the social internet. And uh, and so so my sort of social internet take is that this is um, the last that this this will sort of like feel as if it were the last year of TikTok's dominance, like 2020, 2022 was. And now there are right. so many headwinds and right. there will also be, there will start to be a kind of like, you know, larger scale understanding that this is like a little bit less cool than it once right. was. And maybe the new cool thing will start to be seen. And and, and in general, that the, the, the cohesion of the social internet, where there was a sense that there was Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, um, and Facebook, like that cohesion will continue to fracture. And there will be more and more places where people spend time. And ultimately, I think that might be healthy, where that where there are different places for for folks instead of everybody trying to occupy the exact same space as each other. Yeah, because then in some ways it becomes a battle for territory within the limited space that is Twitter discourse or that is Reddit discourse instead of becoming a place for conversation. Like the, the, the internet places that I'm most drawn to at the moment are places that are well-moderated and that encourage and reward and incentivize kindness and a a hermeneutic of generosity, like Mm -hmm. a way of looking at others and assuming the best in them. And the places that I am drawn to, but that make me less happy, are the places where everybody's fighting to own the space. Yeah, to win. I think that's that's a really that's a and and I I I think that everybody who sort of looks at a space, any space, but you know we're thinking about the internet right now. Who looks at it in an internet space and thinks you know, we must win over them and, or we are losing. Yeah. Uh, I think that everybody who looks at it through those, that lens, and I think that that uh, there's currently somebody who's own, owning Twitter, who looks at it that way, um, is, is really wrong about how progress gets made and about how humanity moves forward. Because I don't, I don't think that much was, uh, ever accomplished through winning. I think that almost everything good has been accomplished through working together. Yeah. Yeah. I think and that's like a winning really... is like such an opposite thing to working together. Like the, right. The, the, yeah. Winning is much more narratively compelling, mm-hmm. but yeah. when you look at what actually made change, it's almost always people working together there. The, uh, the whole idea that held the world back for so, so long was that for me to have more, you must have less. For, you know, that in order for one community, the way for one community to thrive is to take another community's resources through looting and pillaging and carving up space, winning territory, uh, Mm -hmm. those kinds of straightforward, simple ways of thinking about resource allocation. And that is, of course, the wrong way. And the way that almost universally we've 
grown as a species is through collaboration and cooperation. That said, I don't see those places on the internet yet. Like I see them in little ways. I see them in Nerdvitaria. I see them in certain Discord communities. I see them mm-hmm. in certain subreddits. But I don't, I don't see them in the kind of internet mainstream. And I do worry sometimes that we're so extremely online. That yeah, we don't our, see it as much because well, the our thing internet is, that, is different. Yeah, the, when at, whenever your internet is bigger. The number of like if if there is some edge of the bell curve who is just like, you know, 10 people who are going to figure out how to interpret your words in the worst possible light, they will. And you will see all 10 of those people. And then and, you know, and then they can make that case and and like convince others of that or whatever. Um, But I have started to see signs that that that, you know, there are ways in which that's starting to feel a little cringy for folks. Like there's, I think Rebecca Jennings had a piece on how all of the worst discourse kind of has the same flavor. And once you <laughs> yeah, she can- mentioned, she mentioned me in it. <laughs> once, yeah, once you can smell it, you know the smell. And you're like, yeah. oh, I don't like that smell. Um, right, right. And, and, but you, you, you have to be exposed to a lot of it to know the smell. And I guess my right. worry is that there's a huge percentage of the internet that still has so, is so different from it. our internet. It has yeah. not developed that sense of smell yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I see signs that we kind of are moving away from that a little bit, but it's very hard to know for sure. Yeah, agreed. Well, here's hoping that in 2023, the internet gets not worse. And here is also hoping that the world gets better. The other thing that 2023 could very well be if we do a good job of working together is the last year in human history when more than 5 million children die before the age of five. Wow. So that would represent some serious progress. But we need to get down to a world where fewer than a million children die before the age of five every year. And we can do that easily with existing technologies if we just distribute resources better. So here at the end of the year, Hank, I'm very grateful to you for supporting PIH and other organizations that are working to bring about that world. And also to everybody in our community who does, whether through the Awesome Socks Club, the Awesome Coffee Club, or uh, just direct donations at PIH.org slash Hank and John, or wherever you are seeking to decrease the the overall worldwide level of suck. Or the Project for Awesome, which is coming up. I'm very excited. It'll be in February. i got a countdown on my phone going so I can see how far away we are from the product for awesome it's going to be fun this year yeah for sure so here at the end of the year we're going to skip the news from mars and afc wimbledon not least because the news from afc wimbledon is all about frozen pitches and just say thank you if you want to send us an email we're at hankandjohn at gmail.com oh and if you haven't filled out the survey you can do that uh we're at the nerdfighteria census for 2022 is out and you can find a link to it on the Vlogbrothers channel uh, if you want to check that out. I don't know what it is exactly, but go and click and uh, tell us Yeah, you up. can just Google it. Um, I don't know if you can, but if you go to the Vlogbrothers channel, well, it's linked on one of my videos. We believe in you. Um, or on the community tab. And if you want to send us an email or at hankandjohn at gmail.com, we can answer your questions. Sorry, we didn't get to a lot today. I don't know how many you did before I got here, but uh, one. We, we got a little over <laughs> interested in eyeballs. Uh, it was the topic du jour. 
And this podcast is edited by Joseph Tina Medish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Brooke Shotwell. Our editorial assistant is Tabuki Chakravarty. The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be, to be awesome. awesome. Jack makes good whiskey, yeah. Red dirt makes good riding roads. The country makes good music for kicking up dust in a taillight glow. Oh, dry wood makes good fires, and good years make good swings, and that's all good. But for me, God makes five foot nine brown eyes in a sundress, loves Tim McGraw in a small town accent. Ain't no way that me and this truck made her fall in love. Jack makes good whiskey, but God makes the good stuff. Oh, God makes the good stuff. Oh, yeah. Jack makes good whiskey. But God makes the good stuff, oh, God makes the good stuff.